morning. We got six more minutes of morning, so I'll say good morning. Third service, church family. Uh, excited to be here with you guys today. Um, yeah, if you guys didn't know, I'm the youth pastor here. Pastor Ross, if you didn't get the memo, he, uh, him and uh, Miss Barb are celebrating their 36th wedding anniversary, so they're on their way back now. So he let me uh, preach today, and so I'm excited to be with you guys. I'm gonna pray, and then we'll get right into things here. So here we go. Heavenly Father, God, we do pray and ask that your spirit would come and move amongst us, God, that you would give us eyes to see, Lord, ears to hear, God, and uh, Lord, that we would uh, just leave here changed, God, that we leave here different after uh, hearing from your word, God. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so uh, some of you guys know uh, Pastor Bond goes all, all around the world doing missions trips and stuff, and I had the pleasure of going with him on a few of these missions trips. And uh, every time we go anywhere, he introduces me by saying, if anyone could take this guy down, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And so I, uh, I come from a, a long line of, of, of wrestling. Uh, my dad was a wrestler. My grandfather was a wrestler undefeated uh, at Hillsbury High School, actually, in the 60s, I believe. My brother's a wrestler. If I ever have a boy, I imagine he'll be a wrestler. I don't, don't know for sure, but, but, uh, but yeah, long line of wrestling families. And I, I kind of geek out on wrestling a little bit. Um, this week, I was thinking of some of the most historic wrestling matches being involved in the sport that I could think of throughout, um, throughout being in the sport and through, through my knowledge and experience. And I, I listed a couple of them down. I'm going to share them with you guys. The first one I remember that sticks out in my mind is uh, a guy named Anthony Robles, wrestled for Arizona State. He wrestled Matt McDonough, who was, who was my teammate, a, a returning two-time national champion. And uh, Anthony Robles beat him with one leg. Pretty, pretty historic Division I national wrestling champion. So for sure, a historic moment in wrestling right there. Another one that comes to mind is a guy named Alexander Karelin. He was a Russian. He was undefeated for 13 years, a mountain of a man. I had a picture of him, but he was like so scary. I was like, I don't even know if I should show him in church. The dude is huge <laughs> and scary. But Rulon Gardner in the 2000 Olympics, a little a country boy, a little farmer from, uh, he wasn't little, he was a big guy, farmer from uh, United States upset him, gave him the first loss in 13 years. This truly was uh, a historic moment in wrestling. And next up, if anyone's been around wrestling long, you've, been around, you've heard of the name Dan Gable. He went through the 1972 Olympics without ever having one point scored upon him. He was actually my coach's coach. And 1972 was for sure a historic moment in wrestling history. You guys are going to like this one. Chris Taylor, they call him the bear. He is the one 400 pounds right there flying through the air. And he wrestled a guy, against, uh, a guy named Wilfred Dietrich of West Germany in the 1972 Olympics. And uh, you see this, it, it's got a pretty funny uh, story, actually. Uh, Wilfred Dietrich, West German guy, he was famous for this move right here. It's called the souffle, where you just lock up and you just go straight back and you try to throw the guy right to their back from there. Uh, it's a risky move, but that was, that was his bread and butter. That's how he did it. So the story goes, Chris Taylor, the 420-pound giant, 
Um, obviously, this was back when there was no uh, weight limits for wrestling. There's weight limits now for wrestling. But this guy was more than, was like twice his size. And the story goes, that's his famous move, the, the, the souffle. And so he saw Chris and he acted like he was his friend. He went to go befriend him. And he was like, oh, the bear. And he goes to give him a hug. And he just wanted to see if he was able to lock his hands around his body because he was so big. And whenever he gave him a hug and tricked him and was able, he, he was able to lock his fingers, he's like, I'm going for it. And he ended up throwing him and pinned the bear, Chris Taylor, for sure, a historic moment in wrestling history. And last, you guys will get a kick out of this one, Martin Klein of Russia in the 1912 Olympics, the longest wrestling bout in Olympic history. 1912, this is a real picture where Marcus Klein defeated Alfred from Finland in 11 hours and 40 minutes. People say that they used to be a little bit tougher back in the day. It's true, because I get tired from wrestling a six-minute match. And these guys wrestled for 11 hours and 40 minutes. Back when they had no time limits, they would just go until someone got pinned. Truly a historic moment in wrestling history. As great as all of these matches were, though, I would say the most historic is the, is, is the match that we're going to get into today in our Bible study. Genesis chapter 32, we'll start in verse 22. And here, a famous story where we can see Jacob is wrestling with a man. The, this guy's uh, identity is concealed. We're gonna see later on that this man has revealed himself uh, as no, none other than the Lord. And so Jesus is gonna be, or Jacob is gonna be wrestling with the Lord. I believe a pre-incarnate version of, of Jesus Christ. And uh, they're gonna do some, some, some wrestling. And the ultimate, the, the theme through this is that the Lord, when you encounter the Lord, when you, when you wrestle the Lord and you encounter the Lord, he, he's gonna change you. And that's just the truth. So let's get into it. Genesis chapter 32 through 22. We'll read through the passage and we'll dive in the study. Verse 22 says, and he arose that night and he took his two wives. I'm gonna leave that one for Pastor Ross to explain at another time. His two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And verse 23 says, he took them, he sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go for day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you've struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. Then Jacob asked saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you asked me my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. Just as he crossed over Peniel to the, the sun rose on him and he limped on his hip. Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Truly an incredible historic moment in wrestling history. God taking on flesh before, uh, before what we know is Christmas and, and, and doing business uh, with Jacob here. And I think it's important for us to know um, this is a relatable story. Um, it seems like, oh, this was a long, long time ago, but it's a relatable story. It's, pre it's prevalent for us today um, for we all wrestle. 
right? Not, not, uh, not every one of us have maybe stepped our, our toe on the line uh, to do battle on a wrestling mat or, you know, touched gloves in, in, in a, an arena to do battle, but every one of us has stepped our toe on the, on the line in, in a, the wrestling match called life, uh, which is accurate, right? I'm not just, you know, wrestling uh, means to struggle, right? And life is a struggle, and therefore wrestling um, is, a good, is a good picture of, of, of the struggle with life. And so all of us can relate to this wrestling match. Um, I was always confused about this passage the whole time uh, growing up. It was always my favorite Bible passage, but it was, it was simply just because there was wrestling in it. I never really understood it. Actually, I was always very confused about what this meant because in reading it, I was, and I had really a wrong uh, understanding. Hopefully, I'll be able to clear that up. Maybe you guys have the same thing. But I would read this, and I would see, I would say, oh, this is strange, right? Like it's a man, and later it's revealed as God, and then they have a wrestling match. But they're wrestling all night, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Um, but then, but then it's like it looks like like the Lord is get, is getting beaten by Jacob, and then out of desperation, kind of the Lord like touches his hip and pops his pops his hip out of socket. And even then, Jacob doesn't give up. He's like holding on to the Lord. He's like, I'm not gonna let you go until you bless me. So I, I always just was like, oh, Jacob is a is like a bad bad dude. He's a, he's a stud. I want to be like Jacob, you know. Uh, not so the case. And then it's like the what is your name? What is your name? It's like oh, it's always so confusing. But just because I was a wrestler, even before I was a Christian, I was like, I have to, this one has to be my favorite. It is also I didn't share this with any of the other services, but it's my go-to uh, Bible verse to, to share that wrestling is actually the best sport of all, of all mankind. Yeah. Biblically speaking, you know, if we're going to stick with the Bible, there we go. So anyways, um, I grew up always watching uh, the old uh, UFC, the mixed martial arts. Back before it got really big, my, had, my dad had some of these like VHS tapes. And when I was a kid, I would plop them in and watch like the fights and stuff like that. And then there was something called the tale of the tape. And I don't think they have it anymore, but the tale of the tape is essentially the story leading up to the main event, right? So you have the background of the two guys and their stories and everything that's leading up to this, this uh, main event. And this too, we're gonna, we're gonna also have, because there's important points in Jacob's life that we have to understand in order to really understand what's going on in this wrestling match. And so we're gonna go through the tale of the tape. Um, this wasn't Jacob's first wrestling match in Genesis 32. Jacob um, had been wrestling, if you can believe, uh, his whole life and even longer than his life on the earth because uh, he was a twin. And in Genesis 25, verse 22 through 28, we're gonna get a little commentary on this and I'll read it and, and just speak of a few things and give you guys a little background. It says that the babies jostled, the babies wrestled each other. Oh, verse 21, real quick, uh, Rebecca and Isaac, they couldn't have uh, kids, right? And so they pray to the Lord and ask him uh, to have, that, they would, that she would become pregnant. And the Lord answers and he says, here, here we go. Be careful what you ask for. The babies jostled each, each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? And so he went to inquire of the Lord. So she went to inquire of the Lord, right? I asked and I prayed for a, for a kid. Now you gave me one and now I don't know what's going on, right? In 23, the Lord uh, said to her, right, Mazel tov, you're gonna have twins. Two nations are in your womb. And we know now Jacob is eventually gonna be the one uh, that leads the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel is gonna come from him. And his brother Esau is gonna be the ones that, that leads the Edomites, right? And so we know that in history. And it says, when the time came, oh, it says that the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, two people from within you, 
um, will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. And so we already see this wrestling, this jostling between the brothers, um, that there's always, there's this, uh, this tension. And verse 24 says, when the time came for her to give birth, there was twin boys in her womb. And verse 25 says, the, the first two came out, uh, the first came out and was red. And his whole body was, was hairy like a garment. I don't know how that happened. But they said, they, they said, they saw him, they said, we'll call his name Esau, which means hairy. It literally means hairy. They're like, he's hairy. He looks hairy. They weren't really creative with names back then. So they're like, we're going to name this one Harry. His name is Esau. And then verse 26 says, after this, his brother came out with his hands grasping at Esau's heel. And so he was named Jacob. And the name Jacob simply means heel grabber. Well, like, this one's grabbing the heel and we'll just name him heel grabber. And so... Interesting though, but I, I, think it's, I think it's important to talk about the names in the Bible are, are really important. Um, they mean something. You know, it's different. Uh, um, it's, not just a, it's not just a name, but it represents who you, who you are and not only who you are, but, but the mission that you would have, right? Like with, with Jesus, Jesus is Yeshua. God is salvation, right? It says something about his nature, that, he, that he's the Lord and also his mission, what he was gonna come to do. And it was similar with Jacob. Jacob's nature was gonna come to be this, this heel grabbing. He was gonna be a deceiver. He was gonna be trying to, uh, at any means necessary, get ahead in life, pull himself ahead. And, and in this context, we can understand because in this time, uh, the firstborn had certain rights, the, the birthright. They had the birthright. This meant more inheritance, more money, more land, uh, a blessing from the father, um, and more authority. And so being born first had its advantages. And so we see here already Jacob wanting to be first, right? Wanting the first one out. We see him grasping at the heel, trying to pull himself out maybe first, so to speak. Um, aside from this point, this is funny, true story. Um, both of my college coaches were twins, identical twins, Right, one of them was a world champ, and one of them was an Olympic champ, and they both coached at the college I was at. And Tom, the one that's older, says that he beat him out of the womb, but Terry, who's younger, he says, "No, that's not the truth. What actually happened is I pushed him out." Is that <laughs> we were playing king of the womb, and I won. Relatable, but doesn't really have any spiritual significance. But I want to share that with you guys. <laughs> it said. Uh, it says Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. The boys grew up, and we're gonna see again the distinction. The boys grew up, and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country. Like Esau was a, was a man's man. He was, he was a country boy. He would have been listening to Hank Williams Jr. growing up. A country boy can survive. And uh, it says Jacob, though. While Jacob was a quiet man, staying among the tents, uh, which means he liked being in the kitchen with mama. Right? He was a mama's boy. Isaac, the father said, or father who had a taste for wild game, he loved Esau. His favorite was Esau because he was like, I like game and this is the hunter. But Rebecca loved Jacob, right? And so there's a tale of the tape, the wrestling match that started. We get introduced uh, to one of the, the, to Jacob, the wrestler, and this who's been wrestling his whole life, who's given the name Jacob, which means deceiver, supplanter, wrestling, this grappling, always trying to get ahead in life. And this wasn't the only time. It wasn't gonna stop here. The next tale of the tape, we're gonna see just right after this. I don't have the, the scriptures on there. I would love to go through it with you guys, but for time's sake, I'm just gonna summarize it. Genesis 25, 29 through 34, Jacob connives Esau into selling him his birthright. Esau is out hunting, a huge hunting expedition, huge hunting excursion. He comes back, must have went wrong because he is famished. He says, I am starving. Could you give me something to eat? 
and Jacob's nature's taken over and he says, oh yeah, I'll give you something to eat. I'll give you this bowl of soup that I made, this stew, but I'm only giving it to you if you sell me your birthright. And Esau frustrated, he says, what is a birthright to me if I'm gonna die, right? He's, he's probably over-exaggerating a little bit, right? Like some guys do when, they're, when we're hungry, right? He's like, I'm gonna die, I'm starving. Anyways, he sells his birthright. Uh, and Jacob, again, we see him taking advantage, getting ahead, taking advantage of a specific situation. Moving on, Genesis chapter 27, the next tale of the tape before getting into the wrestling match, Jacob steals Esau's blessing. You guys remember this was an elaborate plan. Isaac was on his deathbed, deathbed, there we go, sorry, deathbed, and he, um, his eyes aren't working anymore. He can't see. He calls Esau the firstborn in and he says, he says, it's time for me to bless you, but I want you to go, go hunting. Get me some of my game. I want a last meal. You make it the best. And then when you get back, I'll bless you, right? So Esau leaves and Jacob and Rebecca, the mom, they come up with this elaborate plan. Uh, it's mostly the mom's uh, idea, but, but Jacob was a grown man. He could have taken responsibility for his own life. And uh, they go out. She says, go and kill one of the, the, the goats out there. We'll kill it. I'll make the food up just like, eat, just like uh, your dad likes. And uh, you're going to go in and you're going to get the blessing. You guys, and the blessing from the father was everything, right? It, talks, it, 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 was, uh, it was spoken with authority. It spoke prophetically over one of them. It was established what, you know, what inheritance, the money, the land, all that kind of stuff. It, it, was, it was everything in the culture. And so while Esau's gone, the conniving, Jacob's nature's coming back in and he's gonna, he's gonna steal this blessing. And he goes in there, uh, he puts on Esau's clothes and he's like, my skin's all smooth and soft, right? And he'll, he'll know when he touches me to bless me. And the mom says, well, we'll get some animal skin. Esau must've been really hairy because they got some animal skin, right? And he goes in and, and the father says, who are you, my son? And he says, I, he says, I'm Esau. He lies to him. And then he tries to spiritualize it and says, how did you get the game so fast? And he was like, the Lord, your God, you know, gave me a blessing, right? And so he starts spiritualizing, you know, uh, this lie. And, and essentially, long story short, Jacob gets blessed by his father. Esau comes back, goes in to get the blessing. And, and the father's like, I already, gave, I already gave the blessing. I thought it was you, this com- com- confusion, the commotion. And, and we see here just this blow up. Esau gets mad, rightfully so, right? He, is, he gets angry. And he says, as soon as my dad passes away and I'm done grieving, it's gonna be my life mission. My, I'm gonna vow, I'm gonna kill Jacob. I will kill my brother for doing these things to me. And so Rebecca, the mom is like, her, hears about this and she, she's like, you gotta, get out of, you gotta get out of town, son. Like, this is not gonna be good for you if you stay, right? Like Esau's a hunter, he's good with a gun, a man's man. Jacob, right, is like good with a spatula. She's like, you're not gonna, it's not gonna work out very well for you here. Um, and so she was like, go to Uncle Laban's and I'll come and get you. I'll call for you when your brother's anger kind of subsides and it's safe for you to come back. Right, and so that's where that's where we're at essentially here. Um, Jacob leaves. Twenty-one years, he becomes successful. He's wise. He's smart. Um, he does well for himself. Uh, he gets a family. He he um, he becomes wealthy. Has all of this, you know, this herd, these flocks, all of these possessions, and uh, it was time for him to go back uh, home. God had had met with him. He says it's time to go back home, and. Uh, God had made a promise to Jacob, rock bottom. He just got this blessing acting like Esau, but had nothing to show for it. He had to leave, he had to flee. And on his way to visit, God meets him in Genesis in a dream. He meets him in a dream 
in Genesis chapter 28, 13 through 15. And he, he kind of echoes these promises that he promised to his, to his grandfather, Abraham. And I'm gonna pull up the verse because it's important, I think, for you guys to see it. It says, there above stood the Lord, right, in a dream. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father, Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and I will give you and your descendants the land in which you are laying, right? The promised land, the land that you're gonna have, the land for Israel is gonna be the land that you're leaving. And he's like, I promise that's for you. I'm gonna give it to you. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. All of these things came true uh, in history. If you look at history, all people on the earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. And that, what he's talking about is Jesus Christ. That's Jesus Christ. You see one of the 11 kids that he uh, went across is, is Judah. Jacob's son, Judah. Jesus, we know as the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus was going to come earthly speaking through this line and it was the whole world was gonna be blessed through this offspring. And he says, I am with you. God says to him, I am with you and I'll watch over you wherever you go and I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. And so here we see in the passage, verse 31 and 32, we see Jacob fretting. He's afraid. Why is he afraid? The only thing that stands in his way from going back to the promised land is his brother Esau. His brother Esau became mighty, has a small army, and he's going back and he's deathly afraid. Verse 32, uh, chapter 32, seven says he was greatly distressed and afraid. Uh, chapter 32, verse 11, I he was greatly distressed and he was afraid. He was fearful. He was afraid. He thought his brother was gonna kill him. He even started you know, using some of his cunning devices. He started sending gifts ahead of him to try to meet Esau as he was on his way. He started sending all of this livestock, all of these gifts. He's trying to use again his worldly wisdom to try to, to get ahead, to get out of, slip out of another situation, right? And um, we see that's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. The, the four, there's a, a servant comes back and he says, look, your brother's coming and he's got 400 guys with him, 400 guys. And this isn't a welcome committee, it does not look like, right? He's coming to meet you and this, this doesn't look good. So he sends more gifts, more gifts. He tells his servants to say, your, your little brother Jacob is calling you master and here's all these gifts. And he's trying to kind of appease the wrath of his brother, doesn't know what's going to happen. And uh, just an incredible thing. So we see here that he's up at night, verse 22, and he arose that night, he's afraid. And I think all of us can relate to that. I mean, how many people here, how many different nights, trouble sleeping, right? The circumstances of life, the situation, what lays ahead the next day uh, may be troubling, right? Maybe financial burdens, maybe, maybe broken relationships, a distant spouse, children that have gone astray, maybe dreams unrealized, maybe loneliness is haunting you, maybe fear for the future, maybe the weight of our own sin. It's things that keep us up at night. Got something to say, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus says the Lord. You see, Jacob could have been sleeping like a baby that night, even with Esau right at his heels, because God had made him a promise. God cannot lie and God cannot break his promise. If what Jacob was afraid was gonna happen, meaning Esau killing him and his family and keeping him from coming to the promised land, if his fear came true, if his fear came realized, that would make God a liar and God cannot lie. God is, God's promises are yes and amen. God's promises are true. And I wonder how much time we spend up at nighttime, uh, sleepless, fretting, worrying about certain circumstances, 
when we should just be trusting and holding on to the promises that God's made us. Precious promises that he will never leave me or forsake me in Christ. In Christ, um, a tired season, he promises rest for my soul. He promises a living hope that we can all have no matter the circumstances because it's tied to, to a living savior, a resurrected Jesus. Eternal life for those who trust in him, all things that will work together for those who love him and are called according to his purposes, Romans chapter eight. Right, that if we lean into him and if we trust him, that he, he promises, he says, I'll make your path straight. That if there is a work that he started in you, he's faithful and just to complete that work he started in you, Philippians 1.6, and promise that he's coming back. Just as surely as he came the first time, he's coming back and he's gonna make all things right. We can trust in those promises. Jacob could have been resting like a baby that night if he would have just trusted the promises of God. Next, we see here that they, that, I like this. You go the, the arena, right? The, the venue, the fort of Jabbok. This is a, the, the river of Jabbok. You see Jabbok sounds a lot like Jacob. Jacob has this nuance of wrestling and Jabbok means, um, means to wrestle. So literally we see here, Jacob or God is gonna meet Jacob, the hill grabber at the river of wrestling and he's gonna do business with him there. He's gonna, he's gonna do some reckoning with him there. He's gonna change him here because he has something for him, a promise for him. And this river is right on the border of the promised land, the land that God had promised. And I think spiritually speaking, that's true of us. If we, um, in order to step into the promise, the land of rest, the, the promised land, so to speak for us, sometimes there needs to be uh, an internal wrestling and all the time an internal wrestling where, where God has to wrestle with our sinful nature, where God has to, has to wrestle us down and, and do business with us before we can enter that rest and that peace for our souls. And so we see here, Jacob starts off fretting, he's worried. And then we're gonna go into verse 24 through 26. The wrestling match is going to begin. We're gonna see Jacob wrestling says here in verse 24, then Jacob was left alone. And see, uh, God tends to do a lot of his best work when, when, he, when he's got us alone. There's so much noise in this world, so much busyness. There's so many things that we kind of put on our plate to keep from dealing with, with things that we're wrestling with, like internally. Uh, there's so many voices, social media, news, music, family, all of these things, even people that love you and care for you, right? And, and, and mean to comfort you, but sometimes it's just best to get alone with the Lord, right? And let him deal with you just one-on-one. -on -one. And so we see that's what he does here with Jacob. He gets Jacob alone and it says a man came to wrestle with him. I hope not to, uh, to shatter any uh, maybe nostalgic, memorable experiences but uh, this wrestling match uh, was a little bit different. It's not WWE, what I'm trying to say is not real. I, I hate to break it to you guys. WWF is, is not real. It's not real wrestling. It's scripted. I know, I'm sorry, you guys, if you thought so, right? But you're coming to church, you gotta hear the truth, right? It's not, it's not real, right? This wrestling match was real. It happened. Jacob had a limp for the rest of his life that was gonna be a testimony to this. Not, it wasn't some dream, it wasn't vision, it wasn't make-believe, right? This actually happened, right? And so this wrestling match is real. But at the same time, it's not the same kind of wrestling that we would see maybe in the Olympics where you have two guys that are even, that are kind of like tussling it out and, and going at it, right? This wrestling match that's taking place here is more kind of like when, I, when, I, when my dad used to come home from work when I'd come to visit in the summer and uh, we, you know, I wanna wrestle with him. 
and, you know, just wrestle with my dad. And so we'd move all the, the furniture out of the, the living room and I would go as hard as I could possibly go. You know, my dad would get down on a knee and put both hands behind his back and just use his head, you know, close his eyes and all that kind of stuff. That's more what this wrestling match um, that's more what this wrestling match was like. But we see here the man, a man takes a hold of later. We're gonna see that this is God, like I said before, pre-incarnate version of Christ, appearance of Christ, right? So Jesus came at Christmas time, right? He came in the New Testament in a unique and special way, but this wasn't the first time. It was unique and special, but it wasn't the first time that Jesus comes on the scene. For all through the Old Testament, there's these appearances of God that it can only be explained, right, through it being Jesus, right? Because you see in the Bible, it says no man has ever seen God, right? But then you also say, you see Jacob wrestling with God, right? And so the only, I think, the only way that we can understand that is, is, is God, the second person of the Trinity, the son comes in flesh, right? For Jesus is the, the visible image of the invisible God. He makes the invisible God made known to us, right? We see him as he's, as he's masked, his glory is masked in, in skin. He puts on flesh and blood and he's a God that loves so much and is so intimate and so personal that he'll come down and, and, and do business with us because he loves us. And so um, we see that Something is said that is interesting. Oh yeah, the pre, pre-incarnate version. Daniel chapter four is an example of this. This isn't a one-off shoot. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They're thrown in the fiery furnace. Um, Nebuchadnezzar and the, the guards are like, hey, I thought we threw three of them in there. They're alive, they're walking around. There's a fourth one in there and he looks like the son of man. He's, he's bright and shiny. Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, there's, there's many of those and not, we don't have time to go through them, but, but just to say, I believe that that was Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ took on flesh pre-incarnate to do work with business, to do business with him, just like Jesus Christ came in the flesh uniquely at Christmas time that he would do business and, and wrestle through, conquer sin, conquer death on our behalf. And that's an amazing thing. Um, we see here that they wrestle, uh, they're wrestling till the break of day. That's a long wrestling match. Um, pro- probably as long as that one from 1912, right? 11 hours, maybe in 40 minutes. Um, it says, when he saw that he did not prevail, this is what I never understood, you guys. How could God not prevail against Jacob, right? This is the same being that, that spoke in the universe, leapt into existence, the same being, right, that, that by his strength, you know, threw the stars wherever he wanted to put them, by his strength, right? He, 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 he lifted up the mountains by his strength. He, he cast down the valleys. He spread, uh, he stretched out the sea, Right by, the, by his strength, the Hebrews, the same being by him, all of the universe holds together. And this guy can't beat Jacob, the mama's boy in a wrestling match. Like what is going on here? Um, and I think the important thing to, question, to, to answer this question is what is the purpose that, that the Lord came to wrestle with Jacob in the first place? The purpose that, Jake, that the Lord came to wrestle with Jacob wasn't to destroy Jacob because he could have done that really easily. The purpose in, in the Lord coming to wrestle with Jacob was to change him and ultimately to bless him, right? But in order to do that, he had to, he had to rid Jacob of his, of his old ways, rid Jacob of his, of his old nature, right? He had, to, he had to change him. He had to come to the end of himself, right? That the only thing that he had is God. And that's where the Lord did his wrestling. And that's, in that sense, it says when it looked like he was prevailing, like Jacob is a stubborn dude. He's a stubborn dude. <laughs> um, speak, you know, being a stubborn guy myself, you know, I can, I can relate, but he, um, 
he didn't get it. They were wrestling all night and he could have given up at any point, right? And he didn't. And so he said in that way, it looked like he was prevailing. The Lord wasn't accomplishing his purposes necessarily there because Jacob wasn't broken yet. And so we see here, he touched the socket of his hip and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint and he wrestled with him. I think it's amazing. He was dislocating Jacob from his strength. You see the, the thigh to the hip, that's the strongest part of the human body, right? That was, he was teaching Jacob, you cannot rely on your own strength. You cannot rely on your own might. You cannot rely on your own wisdom. And, and, and what God was doing, he was, he was touching the part of him that needed to be broken, right? Pop. <laughs> Pop. He popped his hip, right? And he did it, he did it in love. He's trying to show him that the best thing for you is that you that you give up and that you trust me. And this is, this is how, the, the depth, the length that I have to go to, to do that with you. He was dislocating Jacob from his own strength. Here's the thing, you guys, as long as Jacob is, in, is strong in himself, he will never amount to anything for God. God can have no use for him. There is nobody in this room that is too weak to be used by God. Only, only people that are too strong in themselves to be used by God. And so many people... Uh, want to be used by God, but the, the truth, and this rings all throughout scripture, God only uses broken things. It is, broken, it is uh, in brokenness that God's power and his glory shine through, right? We, we see this all throughout the Bible. You look at even Jesus coming, right? Uh, unsuspectingly, Jesus comes, he's born, his dad's a carpenter, so to speak, on the earth. He's born in a major, he's not even born inside. He grows up in Nazareth, a podunk town, right? It's like God always uses things that you would unsuspect. The 12 guys that he used, the 12 apostles, the disciples that literally transformed the whole world through the Holy Spirit working through him. 2,000 years ago, um, those guys were a bunch of knuckleheads. A bunch of ragtag fishermen and some, some like dirty tax collectors and, and God changed them and used them to change the whole world. Jacob, this guy here, right? He's a swindler. He's a conniver. He's deceiving. He's only governed by himself. He only makes his own decisions. And God says, no, I'm gonna use you to govern my people. I'm gonna, you're gonna be Israel. The nation of Israel is gonna come from Jacob. And one of my favorite stories, Gideon, right? He's a timid. He's a fearful man in Judges chapter six. The smallest of the 12 tribes, the smallest tribe, Manasseh, that's where he came from. And then it says, out of all of the clans, he's from the weakest clan. And all of the, all of the families in there, the weakest family. And out of all of everybody in my family, I'm the least of my family. And God says, I'm gonna use that one. I wanna be used that one. It's, it, when he surrendered to me, I'm gonna use him. And he used him to destroy the Midianites, right? God uses broken things. Even the apostle Paul said this so beautifully. Apostle Paul, you guys might be saying, oh, that guy was like, he was the real deal, he, he, he was, but God gave him a thorn in his flesh that he wouldn't be reliant on his own strength, but he would be dependent on God, right? He was wrestling with the Lord. I beg you to take this thorn from me, this struggle, this weakness. But Jesus said to him, he says, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. And therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. There's nobody too weak to be used by the Lord, only people that are too strong in themselves. I think this passage says it pretty good. Um, Psalm 147, 10 and 11 will be up on the screen. The psalmist speaking of the Lord, he says, he does not, does not delight in the strength of the horse, right? God does not care about no horsepower. 
He takes no pleasure in the legs of man, right? The strongest part of the human body. That's why you can go in the gym and you can see like really skinny guys and they could still leg press a lot of weight, right? The strongest part of the human man. He says, I, t- I take no delight in, in, in the strength of man. The Lord takes pleasure in this, those who fear him, which means to have an attitude of hum- humility and an awe and a respect for God. And in those in, who hope not in themselves, but in his mercy, also known as his unfailing love. That's what the Lord wants from us, to rid us from ourselves, right? To rid us from our own strength, our own self-sufficiency, and to rely on the mercy that he freely gives. God will weaken us. He'll even cripple us in love that we might cling to him. And that's exactly what's happening. He goes from wrestling. Now Jacob's clinging. He's clinging with his own life. I had uh, a... a commentator said this, brokenness is never enjoyable, but it's necessary. Brokenness is a period of time, but it's not a final destination. You know, brokenness here on this earth is ultimately for the purpose in Christ, wholeness in this life and the next, right? We, anyone who's ever come to the Lord has been broken by the Lord and broken in a beautiful way. That way he may mold us and shape us into what he's calling us to be, right? To rid us of ourselves and to save us, Right? Because God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I like this. He says, um, it's per- his purpose is ultimately wholeness in Christ, right? And for the Christian, the best is always yet to come. If you get discouraged, if you get fearful, if you wrestle with that, read the last two chapters of the Bible, chapter 21 and 22. It's super encouraging. No more curse, no more brokenness, right? When our, our eyes close in this life and it opens up uh, into heaven, Right? No, more, no more pain, no more sin, no more brokenness, no more, no more anything of the curse, right? No more sorrow or pain. All things are being made, will be made right. And at the end, there's just a reminder like, hey, Jesus is coming back. He's coming quickly. Just as he came the first time, he's coming again. He's coming again to make all things right. That's what we can trust in. Trust him at his word. Then 26, he says, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. And I don't know for sure why he said this in verse 26. The Lord says this to Jacob, let me go for the day breaks. I honestly think that it was, he, he was testing him, right? He, the Lord does this uh, in time. He's like, he's like, have I broken you? Are you really clinging to me with everything I have? Why don't you, know, why don't you let go and go back to your old ways? You know, see what happens, see what happens you know? It's a, I think it's a test. And he says, he says this, he says, I will not let you go if you bless me, unless you bless me. And I always read this, I always thought, I always, again, I always was confused. I always thought Jacob was beating the Lord and the Lord, you know, pulled the kind of the, the, the hip cheap shot a little bit. And, and then even then Jacob was like, and I'm still not letting you go until you bless me, you know, almost in like a sense of, a sense of uh, pride, right? But that's not the case, right? We, we, we don't get it here, but in Hosea chapter 12, verse three and four, Hosea the prophet inspired by the Holy Spirit looking back on this account gives us a little bit more insight as far as the attitude and what happened as Jacob was seeking the blessing. And he says this, in the womb, he grasped his brother's heel, speaking of Jacob, as a man, he struggled, he wrestled with God. He struggled with the angel and he overcame him. And how did he overcome him? He wept and he begged for his favor. That doesn't sound like to me, like someone that won a wrestling match, right? 
I've never seen some, somebody, I've, I've been through all, you know, coached young kids all the way to old kids. I've very rarely seen somebody win a wrestling match with uh, begging and weeping and crying, right? And saying that my life was just simply preserved and spared, right? No, that's, there, there's more to the story. He says, I will not let you go until you bless me. Hosea gives that, this is what's going on there, you guys. He goes from wrestling uh, just to clinging. He's broken. God stripped him from everything that he has in it of himself, anything that he can rely on, anything that he can, he can keep. And, and he's, he's clinging to the Lord. He says, I will not let you go. And it's with tears coming down out of his eyes as they're wrestling, as they're struggling, he's holding on to them. And it's, at, it's out of deep, deep desperation. It's like, I have nowhere else to go. Where else would I go, Lord? If, 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 if I do not hold on to you, if I'm not clinging to you, if you go away without giving me favor, if you go away without blessing me, I'm a dead man. I'm a dead man. I have no hope. And it's the same with us. It reminds me of, uh, it reminds me of spiritually speaking, it reminds me of the old hymn, The Rock of Ages. It says, foul to the fountain, Foul, I fly to the, f- or, wait one second. Old English is hard. It says, foul, I, I to the fountain fly. Foul meaning sinful, meaning dirty, right? And it says, wash me savior or I die, right? That's my only hope. Jesus is the only one that can cleanse us. Jesus is the only one that can save us. Jesus is the only one that can ultimately bless us and change us. That's an amazing thing and a truth that we need to hold on to. In the midst of life's struggles, in the midst of life's pain, we need to cling to God with a holy desperation and a holy dependence that's set apart to, to God and to him alone. And for those of you who are here today, like maybe God's initiated a grappling match with you. Maybe you're wrestling with certain things. Um, my recommendation for you is to get pinned. This is the only wrestling match. The wrestling match with God is the only wrestling match where in getting pinned, you actually come out on top. You actually get your hand raised. I've gotten pinned a handful of times in my day. And every time I've ever gotten pinned, the ref always raised the other guy's hand, right? But in this match and getting pinned by the Lord, it's the only match where you get pinned and you actually get your hand raised as well. That's an amazing thing. And so we're gonna... We're gonna go on here. I'm gonna speed through these last one, pick up the pace. Uh, Jacob's blessing, 27 through 29. And he said to him, what is your name? Strange question, right? Coming from the Lord, what is your name? They've been wrestling all night and now they're just introducing themselves at the end of it. What is your name? You guys, this was surely going to hit the conscience of Jacob. You see, the Lord knows all things. He wasn't asking Jacob's name because he needed to know it. He was asking Jacob's name for the answer was gonna say something about Jacob. And he was speaking to Jacob for the last time that Jacob sought a blessing and reached for a blessing. He heard this very same thing from his father. You guys, he goes in, right? With the, the fur, the, the dressed in Esau's clothes and he goes up to his father uh, deceiving. And his father says, who are you? Who are you, my son? And he says, I'm Esau. He lies to him, right? He asks him again, who are you, my son? I'm Esau. Now God's asking him, he's seeking a blessing now and God wants to give it to him, but he has to make sure that Jacob is honest with himself, that he's honest with his condition. God asks him, who, who are you? What is your name? Remember, your name is more than just your name. It's who you are, your deepest, most being. Who are you? And he responds, Honestly, maybe the first time with the Lord, he responds, I'm Jacob. 
heel grabber, deceiver, manipulator, liar. That's who I am. That's my nature. Oh, that's amazing. I ask you guys, Lord, we're asking you the same thing. What is your name? Who are you deep with inside that you could put a facade on, you could put a mask on, not the who that you want other people to perceive you as, but who you really are. And are you honest before the Lord? Because you could trick other people and you could trick the pastors, but you can't. The Lord sees right through you. He named you. He knows who you are. In order to receive a, God's blessing, we need to be honest with him, with who we are and what we're going through. Um, and look at how God responds. He says, bingo. Now that you're honest, he said, I'm gonna change you. I'm gonna bless you. Your name is no longer gonna be called Jacob, but Israel, for you've struggled with God and with men and you have prevailed. You see, Jacob means heel grabber, deceiver. Israel means to be ruled or to be governed by God. The name change right there. God says, I have a calling on your life. He made him those promises, the descendants, the Messiah was gonna come, the 12 tribes of Jacob, the promised land, all of these things. He made him this promise, but Jacob did not have the character yet to, to step into those promises, to receive those promises. And so God needed to wrestle him so that he would be ready. He needed to change his character. That's how God, um, that's how God does things. And it says here that he prevailed, right? In what way, again, he has won by losing. This is consistent with all of the New Testament, all of Jesus' teaching. Matthew 10, 39 says, if you cling to your own life, Jesus speaking, if you cling to your own life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for my sake, you will find it. And similarly, Jesus says, John 12, 24 through 26, he says, very truly, I tell you, tell you unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces and sprouts up seeds, multiple seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, and anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. That's how we win, is by losing. That's how we find who we are, by losing who we are and trusting in who Christ has made us to be. And I would just encourage us to quit relying on our own strength and our own merit, our own wisdom, our own wit, and just fall completely on the Lord and it's funny here, it says, he, says, um, he says, tell me your name, I pray. Uh, Jacob says that to him and, and God replies, the Lord replies, why do you ask me my name? Almost like, do you not know who you've been wrestling? Uh, <laughs> who else can touch your hip and go out of socket, right? And who else can, can uh, um, name you? Israel, who else can bless you? You're, you're governed by God, you're ruled by God. Who's done that throughout the night? And I imagine he got it there. And then here, the whole purpose of the wrestling match, it says, and he blessed him there. He blessed him there and, there. and that was the Lord's goal, right? It was to change him. It was to change him. It was to mold him. It was to change him from the inside. And that's what, the true, what a true blessing is. A lot of times we talk about blessing and we think of these material things that come on. Come on. And those things can be blessings, like, you know, a promotion, a raise, money, an inheritance. Like those things are blessings. But the ultimate blessing, the greatest blessing is, is for God to change us on the inside for God to change us on the inside. And he blessed him there. And even more important than a calling, right? I, I, I know everyone here, God has a calling on everybody's life, but more important a calling is, is character, right? And God cares more about that than a calling, I think too. He cares about who we are and who he's making us to be. And sometimes you'll have to wrestle us and, and, and do business with us so that he could change us, so that he could bless us, that we could step into that which he's called us for in this life. 
And that's my prayer, right? I don't wanna, I wanna be not just a calling, but I wanna be changed, like I wanna be changed. I wanna be a more, a man of honesty, a man of integrity, a man that, that does not compromise, right? A man of, of conviction and commitment, a man that, that displays sacrificial love, right? Those are the things that I wanna be. I wanna be more like the one who I'm wrestling with, right? And that's my prayer for you guys, that as God wrestles with you, our hope and our desire was, would be that we would be more like the one who engaged us in the wrestling match the first place, that we would be more like Christ. And so finishing up here, I'm just gonna breeze through this. Jacob goes from wrestling to clinging. Now Jacob's limping. Verse 30 says, so Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, for I've seen God face to face and my life has been preserved. He knows, right, that it was God's mercy, it was God's grace. And just as he crossed over the Peniel, the sun rose on him. And I just, this is just a perfect picture of God's blessing, right? I just imagine Jacob just being beaten and battered. He just wrestled for all night, right? Just sweaty and marred and bruised. Like he just got done with, with, with a war, right? And, and he crosses that river and uh, he almost crosses it though, but he has this new sense of peace for he's been changed, right? He's been changed on the inside. He's been given a new name and he crosses over uh, and he's just, uh, he's just, just changed. He's just met by his family. And I don't, I, I just, I just wish I could be, you know, a fly on the wall to see that, right? But the sun just blessing the warmth. I just see the Lord blessing in this picture, right? And it says he limped on his hip. And this is an incredible thing, right? First, he is his own sinful nature, right? He's Jacob. And then he has this encounter with God. He meets God and God changes him from the inside and God blesses him. And, and, and then here we see the next step that God doesn't even just change his nature, but he changes his walk too. He's gonna start changing the way that he lives. And that's the truth. When you encounter Christ, you'll be changed, right? You'll be given a new nature. You'll be born again, but you'll also change the way that you walk. And so he's limping and this limp is something that he's going to have for the rest of his life. I was curious, Hebrews chapter 11 is the hall of faith, right? All of these, like the hall of fame for football. You have all of these guys in the, in the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11. And I forgot what they said about Jacob there. So I just turned to Hebrews 11 and I think it gives insight to this. It says, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, he blessed each of his sons, the end of his life, Joseph, and he worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. Now that staff wasn't just for old age, right? He needed that because he still suffered from the limp. He still suffered from that match that God had, uh, had wrestled with him. And God left him with that, that limp as a reminder to him, where is my strength lie? To never go back to my old strength, my old ways, but to continually to be trusting and to be leaning on the Lord. And so, we see that at the end, end of his life. And I imagine one of his grandsons, it was Manasseh and Ephraim. I could just imagine like just on, on, on his deathbed and he's going to bless him. And one of the, the grandsons be like, ever since I was little, I've always seen you limping around with that staff. I've seen you in pain. I've seen you struggle, right? You're at the end of your life. Now I have, I have a question for you. I imagine this, you know, going on. Um, was it worth it? Was it worth it? And it reminded me, um, the Lord really got a hold of me in college through wrestling, through the sport of wrestling. And Jacob wrestled with the Lord for, for one day and uh, you know, his hip went out of socket. And I had wrestled with the Lord for a lot longer than that. And I had a lot more uh, injuries to show from that. In my five-year career at the University of Iowa, I had hundreds of thousands of dollars of doctor bills, 
The Lord needed to break me down so I could be dependent on him. And uh, two broken ankles, two knee surgeries, fractured back, a concussion, torn bicep tendon, the, the list goes on. And the Lord had to break me there and he got a hold of me there and I was thankful for that. But as I was going farther into, my career was closing down and I remember I go into, uh, I was just wrestling with things. I went into Terry's office, the, the younger one that kicked the brother out of the womb, right? I, I, go, into Terry's, I go into Terry's office and I'm just, I'm just weeping, I'm crying. Because I had felt like my, my, I had put so much blood, so much sweat, so much tears, so much into to my, my wrestling. Um, and it was coming to a close and I felt like I had nothing to show for it. You know, no medals, no, no accolades, never even wrestled a, a, a varsity match. And I was broken. My body was beat up and hurt and I, str- I was struggling. And I remember Terry says, so what, like, so if, what if you would have went, you know, what if you wouldn't have came here and you would have went to the University of Wyoming and say you would have been a national champion there? No, maybe, maybe even a two-time national champion. Would you, would you trade that? And I remember just maybe as, Jake, as Jacob would have felt here, I just had this peace in my heart, right? And this, this revelation, my eyes open, and I, and I worship the Lord inside of my heart there. And I could easily say it was without a doubt. Like I wouldn't trade this for the world because this is where the Lord wrestled me through wrestling. And he pinned me down and he emptied me and he broke me in a beautiful way. That way he can, he, can, he can mold me, that he can save me, that he can mold me into the man that he's calling me to be, be. I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I imagine that's the same. That was the same with, with, Joseph, uh, with Joseph here. Closing up right here, you guys, I just wanna read something. All of this, you guys, points to, all of it points to Jesus, right? Jesus is the greater everything, Right? All these things in the Old Testament. He's the greater priest. He's the greater prophet. He's the greater and the truer um, um, priest, prophet, king. He's the greater sacrifice. He's the greater, has the, the greater blood to cover our sins. He's the greater Abraham. He's the greater Moses. And he's the greater Jacob. And this is where it all boils down to. I want to show us how Jesus is, how Jesus is the true and the better Jacob. There was one who had came not to supplant, or to take advantage of people, but to come lowly and humble and to give his life for people. That's our Jesus. There was one that would be a descendant from Jacob, come from the same line as Jacob, who would have his own midnight wrestling match with the father the night before his crucifixion in the garden of Gethsemane. Jesus wrestling with the Lord, sweating drops of blood in agony. He says, Father, wrestling with them. Father, if it's your will, Take this cup from me. Take this pain. Take this suffering. Take what I'm about to experience. Take it away from me. He said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jacob took a blow to the hip from the hand of God. Jesus Christ, too, took a blow. He was hung by the Romans on the cross, right? And not only that, but all of the wrath of of God for the sins of mankind were placed on Jesus Christ in that moment all of the horrible things and evil things that we've ever done, we can be pardoned for because that punishment, which is deserving, was placed on Jesus Christ and he absorbed all of that punishment and he went through all of that agony physically and spiritually on our behalf. He took the blow that we deserve. Jacob's hip was out of joint, we see. 
Psalm 22, a prophecy of Christ says that on the, on the cross, all of Jesus' joints were gonna be out of place. All of his bones were gonna be out of place. Isaiah 53, another prophecy says, he's wounded for our transgressions and he's crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds, we are healed. His bones and his joints were separated on the cross and it allowed us to be popped back into place with God. Jacob walked with a limp for for the rest of his life, which tells a story of how, how God broke him beautifully and how he blessed him. And Jesus Christ too has marks that tell a story, right? The nails in his hand and the nails in his feet, even after he resurrected, he had those, right? Remember, you don't believe? He's like, you know, feel my hands, feel my side. Those you'll have throughout all eternity and those will too tell a story of how Jesus came to this earth. He wrestled with sin and death. He conquered sin and death, but in doing that, he has the marks to show that he died for us. And that he has, he has those marks that tell a story of how he was wounded and how he was broken on our behalf so that we can have the greatest blessing, so that we can know him, so that we can be born again, so that we can have a relationship, that we can be dead to our old self and made new. And there's hope in, in Jesus Christ for that. And with that, I'm gonna close and pray. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the victory that we can have in simply submitting to you, God. And so, Lord, I do just pray anyone here, Lord, just if your spirit is tugging on their heart, Lord, that they would stop fighting with you, God, that they would stop wrestling with you, Lord, that they would have victory, God, in in getting pinned by you, God, and submitting to you and giving their life over to you, God. Because ultimately there, God, is where our hands raised in victory. We may not all have victory on this earth in the, in the way that the world says, but we, will, we in you, Christ, can have our hand raised throughout all of eternity because of what you've done for us, God, because we aren't great wrestlers, Lord, but you are the great wrestler who wrestles us down and, and uh, teaches us and molds us and changes us and loves us and saves us. Thank you for beautifully breaking us, God. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to The Rocks Podcast. Our regular services are held on Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11.30 a.m. in Santa Rosa, California. If you'd like to learn more, please visit our website at cctherock.org.